to David Glenn Show. NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch will drop by next hour on his way to the Daytona 500. UNC national champion and All-American turned broadcaster Eric Montross on College Hoops also next hour. Bracketologist Jerry Palm later this hour and joining us now from The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. If you don't know that website, basically they have attracted many of the greatest writers, sports writers that I have followed, worked with over my 30 plus year career. It is an unbelievably impressive group of writers at the national site and all of the sub-sites. Jordan Rodrigue and Joe Person cover the Panthers and the NFL there. Sarah Sivian on the Canes and the NHL. Roderick Boone on the Hornets and the NBA. And there is a clown named David Glenn who also contributes from time to time as what they call a contributor. Jordan is doing this stuff all day, every day for the Athletic Carolina. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, man, but you got to give yourself more credit. The great David Glenn, also an athletic <laughs> that, contributor. That is so kind of you. I have been contributing more lately, Jordan, although it probably doesn't make the burden on your shoulders feel any lighter. Well, I love reading it, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I always love seeing your stuff. Thank you very much. Right back at you. All right, you got uh, an audience with David Tepper. You are not alone. The Carolina Panthers owner does not speak publicly a whole lot. The last time he spoke, I remember him describing, paraphrasing, hey, my ideal is that that Cam Newton guy continues in a Panthers uniform and gets healthy again and leads us back to the Super Bowl and we all live happily ever after. His tone was different yesterday. Uh, tell us what, how you uh, kind of placed it in your world as we're all guessing what the Panthers are going to do at the most important position on the field. Yeah, well, the, the key here is that there's been a lack of, of sort of long-term commitment um, when the, the caveat is presented of health. And so I remember talking to you about this before, David, where, you know, it feels like years ago, really only a couple months, because that's how time passes in the NFL, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's crazy because, um, you know, we, we talked about how it was very interesting to me to catch that little phrase um, back when he was talking about Cam Newton's future in, um, during the season when he first went on injured reserve and then when he, when he fired Ron Rivera. Um, a healthy Cam Newton in, in his ideal world would lead the Panthers back to a Super Bowl. And so here the caveat was presented once again, but it was more of the, the entire subject line of the interview was he was talking about how he doesn't know if Cam's going to be healthy. They don't know. Um, to me, that's, that's, you know, kind of a tight deadline in terms of what they need to be doing um, before the combine. Free agency is upon us um, in the next, you know, less than a month, um, just about a month, actually. Yeah. And so this is now with the new coaching staff finishing up their evaluation. Now we are in a tighter timeline um, than we ever have been. And I think tensions are very high where this particular topic is concerned. And David Tepper um, spoke um, very noncommittally um, about his franchise quarterback and also um, – presented um, several times the fact that nobody, not even Cam Newton, he included, um, knows that Cam Newton is healthy or whether he will be. Jordan Rodriguez joining us. I actually saw the video and heard the audio right out of David Tepper's mouth on Jordan's Twitter handle, among other places, at Jordan Rodriguez. Of course, it's also embedded into some of their articles at The Athletic Carolina. Jordan Rodriguez joining us on the David Glenn Show. You saw, or maybe you were even around Cam Newton at the Super Bowl, I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. he, he, would, he made statements that 
suggested he's only thinking about Carolina, and he's excited about playing for Matt Rule, and he can't picture himself in any uniform but a Carolina Panthers uniform. Some are just so cynical that they think every word from everybody is manufactured and contrived. I wonder, given your time around Cam Newton, is he prone to sort of say the company line because he's supposed to? Because I've always viewed him as kind of just like a little kid grown up who mostly speaks transparently, even though there, of course, is a businessman inside of there somewhere. What did you make of his optimism about his future specifically staying in Charlotte, which he calls his home away from home? Yeah, you know, I do think he's very underestimated as a businessman. I think he's getting his biggest test so far and kind of um, matching up with uh, not only alongside, but perhaps even against David Tepper. Um, and I think he is very underestimated as a businessman, and his business mind is extremely bright. Um, I think that um, I believe I believe him thoroughly when he says he wants to be in Carolina. I think he truly loves it here. He loves the fan base. Um, it's a it's a great market for him to be in, where he can be larger um, than the market itself, while also when he'd like to have some quiet space, find that quiet space. I think that's a perfect balance here that he has, and, and I know he loves being so close to Atlanta where his family is. Um, at the same time, you know, I think it's a great – I thought it was a really smart thing for him to do, to come out and say, um, you know, I had an inspiring conversation with the owner and with the, you know, the new head coach, yeah. with the GM. I left that meeting inspired. I'm absolutely certain I'm going to be healthy because in that way, Cam can sort of profess without speaking so in these plain of words that he is healthy, that he is going to believe that he's healthy. And so for David Tepper then to come out and, and sort of say, well, not even, Cam, you know, Cam Newton's not a doctor. Nobody, right. We don't know if he's going to be healthy. Is he healthy? Tell me that. I think that it's a very, very smart. It was, if I'm thinking specifically from Cam's perspective, it's a very smart thing for him to do because that means the public will question David Tepper. And so I think it was um, not only genuine in the message of him wanting to be here, in Carolina, I also think it was a very, very smart thing for him to come out and say something like that. Best I can tell, and let me know if something is different here, I have seen mostly the new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, dodge questions about you know his <laughs> view of Cam. Matt Rule dodge questions. David Tepper, he seems like a good, transparent guy, but he's leaning a little bit toward the dodging of the questions. I'm not a doctor. Cam's not a doctor. Is he healthy? Only then can we really talk among the video that you brought to us yesterday. Um, and Tell us the most poignant, if anything, that any of those decision makers have said about Cam. And if there's nothing there at all, what do we even know, like reading the tea leaves about what Matt Rule likes and wants in a quarterback or what Brady likes and wants in a quarterback after, uh, you know, helping to mentor LSU's Joe Burrow this past season on the way to a national championship? Uh, are they I adapt to my players type guys, or do we know something from their histories that would suggest whether Cam, if healthy, would be a good fit for their preferred way of offensive football? Yeah, I mean, I think Cam Newton's, a, when he's healthy and, and firing in all cylinders, I think he's a great fit for any any offense. But I also think that um, if, if I'm reading the tea leaves on what's going on within the program or within the franchise, yeah. and if I'm also reading the tea leaves in terms of, yes, Matt Rule has been 
kind of inherited recruits at times, inherited programs, turned them around. Yes, he was working with what he had. Um, you know, Joe Brady worked with what he had in, in Joe Burrow, although to be fair, that, that wasn't their only option at quarterback. They could have gone, you know, with one of their younger guys, but Joe Burrow showed them enough that he could be the guy um, and improved, improved a ton. And so I think if I'm reading the tea leaves, if I'm, if I'm a young head coach and I have a similarly very young coordinator and I have a lot to prove and I have a program to build and I am in uh, a very unique position uh, in the league itself and I'm in the league for the first time and I'm bringing in 22 assistants from my former staff yeah. at Baylor or elsewhere, um, I'm I'm showing parts of the things that I want to do to bring my people all around me. And that's what I think Matt Rule is doing. And so that to me is a little bit of a nod towards maybe, and this is me just speculating here, David, but that's toward maybe what they might want to do with the roster, not just with Cam, but yeah. the roster overall, bring in as many of the pe- the people that they can think are their guys, um, that they can build as a core. Um, I think that means that their activity is going to be very draft heavy this spring. And um, I, I think that you can even maybe include the quarterback situation in that. I would think a, a young head coach, a new head coach in this amount of pressure um, passed with this massive of a rebuild um, that has to match David Tepper's business vision for all of this. I think that, um, you know, you, you're going to want to get a young, fresh start at quarterback at that point. Painting one big picture, NFL fans should think of later February as the combine, March, as Jordan said, as free agency, late April, remember, would be the NFL draft. So as she said, this is like a really weird timetable that is going to cause a lot of stress in a lot of ways to a lot of people. In that bigger picture for the Panthers that you just mentioned, nobody's probably going to say the word rebuild out loud, right? Um, Maybe you trade down from number seven and you acquire more draft assets if it really is a rebuild in mind. But when those, when folks ask, you know, what if it's not cam, what if he's either not healthy or they just turn the page for other reasons, whatever, none of the best older veteran quarterbacks would consider a rebuilding franchise, right? So you can take some of those free agents off the list. You can always draft a guy, I guess, if you stayed at number seven. Is there anybody out there? I've seen Ted, Teddy Bridgewater of the Saints or, you know, Ryan Tannehill is also a free agent. Does anybody make sense if the Panthers are in this post-Luke Keekley, post-Greg Olson, so many other big names they've already said goodbye to, whatever you want to call it, even if it's not rebuild? Well, I think it kind of depends. Um, it's a great question. I think my scenario, let's say they do move on from camp. This is basically, you know, obviously it's a big if of the off yeah. season. Um, I would think that if they if they don't feel their, their roster is ready, maybe it's too young because it's so draft heavy, or maybe it's just there's so many holes still left in because they couldn't quite be as efficient as they wanted to be in free agency in the draft. Um, I would think that in that case, whoever they bring in a quarterback will be a bridge quarterback, whether that is uh, kind of a back, a veteran backup or one of the young kind of backup guys that they have um, on the roster already. And that guy is purely a bridge guy. And I think that they would have to draft at that point or, um, you know, spend some money at that point. So I, I don't think that any of the older kind of premier names that you're seeing floating around, I don't think those guys are likely here. 
Um, I, if I'm one of those guys, I'm like, man, I don't have any time for this. <laughs> like, I don't have any time for this. <laughs> right. So, yeah, and so I, I don't think that that's a possibility. I do think that the scenario that I just laid out for you, if they do move on from Cam, I think it's more likely that in 2020 there's very much a bridge player at the position as they kind of get to assembling their roster and developing some of the talent that they'll bring in um, in the spring. Last thing for you, beyond everything else we just mentioned, running back Christian McCaffrey and right tackle Taylor Moten. Uh, same agent, same draft class, 2017. Franchise loves both players, but others love them as well. What is your summary here in mid-February of where things stand with those guys as they want new deals and big deals? And uh, you and Joe Person just laid out for those who want to check it out at The Athletic Carolina. I mean, there's just great detail. What salary cap space is available, how the rules work. Did, did people know that Luke Keekley in retirement still counts a lot of money against the cap and all that stuff? You know, what are the financial ramifications if you uh, turn the page on Cam Newton? It is a great, great summary posted, I think, just yesterday at The Athletic Carolina. What about those guys who are currently on the Panthers roster and huge parts of any bright future, assumedly? What's the status of those negotiations or conversations best we know? Well, I think those pick up closer to free agency, uh, closer to spring workouts, because at that point you know whether um, somebody is maybe threatening to hold out. Yeah. Um, you know whether a camp is deciding, you know, whether they need to get something done in order to show up to, to spring workouts. I will say that I think they're in a unique position um, here. In the players themselves are in an advantageous one because. You can't, if you're a new head coach, you cannot start your tenure with a holdout. You just can't do it. And you also know that these two guys in particular, and I would think Christian McCaffrey leaning a little bit more toward a priority here, is also they're both players who are young enough and talented enough that you feel comfortable building your core around. And I'm not saying, um, you know, I I know that running backs can value like new cars off a lot, but I, I'm not saying in that specific analytics perspective. I'm saying in terms of building a culture and your leadership within that room, those two guys are guys that say I would feel that role would very much want to build a core around. And so I think that especially losing Keithley, especially losing Greg, maybe losing Cam, um, not having anybody coming back on defense, you know, I think that they, these two players, Taylor Morton and Christian McCaffrey, are in a very advantageous situation. Um, and I think that it's going to, if it plays out, I think it'll play out pretty quickly. Jordan Rodrigue, follow her on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. Find her work online, The Athletic Carolina. She and Joe post all the time. I've been posting a lot lately there as well on the ACC and some other things. Thanks, as always, for the wisdom and expertise. Keep up the good work. Thanks, David. Really appreciate it. Take care. You too. Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic Carolina. Joe Person and I go back to like the 1990s, I think. Uh, the other NFL slash Panthers writer at that outstanding website, Joe and I have worked together. Uh, he was a contributor back in the day to my ACC Sports Journal and ACCSports.com. He used to be based in Georgia and covered uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, among other things. Really one of the best in the business 
Jordan is a fantastic contributor as well on all things NFL and Panthers. You can catch the video. She was right in front of Panthers owner David Tepper yesterday as he was at a charity event and did make those rare public comments about the future of the franchise, including, of course, he was asked about the injured Cam Newton. They won't know if he's healthy for at least another month or so. And even then, after Liz Frank foot surgery, you can say, yeah, he's been cleared, but you can't really be fully confident that somebody is healthy until he starts doing football things again and doesn't come up limping with another foot injury. It's, it's a really weird timetable. And if you think of it, folks, if you're an NFL fan, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but two-thirds of NFL franchises' fans would know what their quarterback situation looks like. That doesn't mean you all love it, mind you, right? But if you're in Arizona, you know your guy is Kyler Murray. You don't even have a great franchise to support. But there's none of this uncertainty at the most important position on the field. Kyler Murray is your guy. If you're with the 49ers, yeah, there's some questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy. Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks is your guy. If you're a Saints fan, you do have the nervousness of Drew Brees, last I saw, has not yet confirmed that he is returning, but you also have Teddy Bridgewater as a free agent. If Drew Brees bailed, maybe you could keep Teddy Bridgewater. You've got Taysom Hill as the intriguing third stringer. You know the picture right there. Matt Ryan in Atlanta in the, in another to choose another franchise from the NFC South. Matthew Stafford with the Lions. Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you know that the Panthers hold Kyle, Kyle Allen's rights. It's easy for them to retain him because of the way the rules work. But if, even if they retain him, and that's up to Matt Rule and Joe Brady, whether he's a good fit for what they like to do, Almost everybody agrees he's only a backup quarterback. Too many turnover problems. He was ranked dead last out of the quarterbacks who started the most. He was 32nd out of 32 in the pro football focus rankings at the end of this past regular season. Great start, but the turnovers and other issues put him dead last among those who started the most games, franchise by franchise. So even if you kept as your backup Kyle Allen, even if you kept as your third stringer Will Greer, not, he didn't show anything that made you feel confident about knowing where his career is going. There is as much uncertainty at QB for the Carolina Panthers fan base as there is anywhere else. Cowboys fans, you might bite your fingernails waiting for the Dak Prescott shoe to drop, but what, what's the percentage that they work something out there? It's incredibly high. Like, even that uncertainty is kind of shades of uncertainty. It's like a Patriots fan. Do you really believe Tom Brady's going to play this year somewhere else? I mean, it's possible, but it's not very likely, and we all know that. Chargers fans, that's a little different. Maybe with Phillip Rivers clearly moving on, they made that announcement this week. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question if you're in the Chargers fan base. It is a short list. And nobody exceeds the uncertainty of quarterbacks on the depth chart in the Carolina Panthers franchise. 1-800-849-2761. Three great guests still on the way. Kyle Busch, NASCAR superstar, live in about 60 minutes. Jerry Palm, bracketologist, live later this hour. Eric Montross on UNC's loss to Wake Forest and more generally, the Tar Heels had bad body language last night, bad chemistry last night, and they have one of the worst records in the last half century 
of Carolina basketball, not an exaggeration. We'll talk college hoops with Big E, NASCAR, and the Daytona 500 with Kyle Busch. Bracketology, of course, with Jerry Palm. And as we welcome more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761. On the NFL, on the Wolfpack's win at Syracuse, on the Deacons' win over the Tar Heels, other college basketball, etc. Question of the day, what is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now? Duke fans are saying another national title. State fans are saying, I don't want to make the NCAA tournament, although just make it, I should say. I want to do some damage once I get there. Florida State fans want to go to the Final Four for the first time since 1972. Tar Heel fans and Wake Forest fans have much different answers to the question of the day. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Check out Antonio Brown's latest NFL headline, and I will tell you why his words today about his time with Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why Antonio Brown's latest headline reminds me of a song performed long ago by the hair metal band Cinderella. In fact, I'll give away a prize to somebody who knows the song before I even tell you why Antonio Brown's words remind me of that Cinderella song. Y'all know that at many important moments in life, I turn to the philosopher king Jimmy Buffett and his lyrics. Little known fact, I am a closet hair metal band fan and not i'm not in the closet actually i'm an outright proud hair metal band fan and at other important moments in life i believe you can find wisdom in the lyrics of weepy ballads of hair metal bands of the past i believe that is also the case in the antonio brown headline and i will explain 1-800-849-2761 as we come back to your calls next on the david glenn show He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music that's for That's right. That? That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. This song is actually the answer to the question I posed before the break. At many important moments in life, you can find wisdom in the lyrics of weepy ballads sung by the hair metal bands of my childhood. This is not even one of the more famous hair metal bands. But this song lives forever. This is not, by the way, the Aerosmith song that I have long described as the greatest breakup song in the history of such things. If you ever have a moment like that in life, listen to What It Takes by Aerosmith. I listened to it about a thousand times for the one and only, I would call, brutally difficult breakup of my life long, long ago. What It Takes by Aerosmith, I'm telling you, angst, anger, passion, little love, little appreciation, various stages of grief, it is the perfect breakup song. Shout out to Steven Tyler and the boys. What It Takes by Aerosmith. The trivia question was why would I think of this song related to the Antonio Brown headline? And that is both the chorus and the title of the song. Can I give away a prize or we have a phone issue? Jerry Palm is going to join us by phone on Bracketology on the other side. But here's what Antonio Brown posted. And if he had just listened to the wit and wisdom 
of this band from many years ago. Antonio Brown was old enough to be able to listen to Cinderella songs. This, that song came out long before he was a little kid. He posted on Instagram today basically a love note to his former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. There was a photo of Antonio Brown, who's kind of on an apology tour, if you've been paying attention. First, the Patriots and Bob Kraft. I haven't seen one to the Raiders, I don't think, but certainly to the Steelers, in this case, Big Ben. The former Steelers wide receiver who's born, burned more bridges than we can count posted on Instagram, mostly you a little bit of me, and he showed a photo of Roethlisberger smiling and slapping the back of Antonio Brown's helmet from when the two played together. So he has the caption that praises Big Ben. Yee, yee, I never realized how good I had it. Got caught up in my emotion with everyone coming after me. I really apologize for my actions. Sincerely, man, I've never been, it's never been another connection like what we done in the past decades, I, a past decade. I appreciate you. Sincerely, A.B. You can find that on Instagram, Antonio Brown's account. It has gone viral since then. If you had just listened to the wit and wisdom of Cinderella, you would have known on the front end what you had because Cinderella sadly sang that song. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Why did A.B. have to learn the hard way? He just could have listened to Cinderella on the front end, as I advise all of you to do as well. 1-800-849-2761. Jerry Palm of CBS Sports is one of the most famous bracketologists of all. We know some of the best ACC teams are not only in, they're fighting for number one seeds. What about the Wolfpack? What about the team they beat last night, Syracuse? How about UVA after the Cavs beat Notre Dame? We'll talk national, we'll talk local, we'll talk ACC and in between with Jerry Palm next on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch will be our guest live on his way to Sunday's Daytona 500. That'll happen in a little more than 30 minutes. Eric Montross of the Tar Heel Sports Network, All-American and national champion back in his playing days, now a broadcaster for the Heels, of course. Big E drops by in about 60 minutes. And joining us now, as promised, one of the best in the business of bracketology. UVA and NC State were ACC teams that posted big or bigger wins in the Wolfpack's case. He has number one seeds and his latest post at CBSSports.com. Of course, he knows all the ins and outs of how the selection committee chooses such things. Jerry Palm, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. We're not used to seeing only three ACC locks here in ACC country because they've averaged eight per year the last four years. What is the state of affairs in your eyes after the big three of Louisville and Duke and Florida State? Yeah, it's been really hard. A very weird year in the ACC, right. for sure, uh, like you point out. It's hard to resume build because if you're one of those teams you know, that's very squarely on the bubble. You mentioned a couple of them. Syracuse on that list, maybe Notre Dame, uh, maybe Pitt. Yeah. The only way that you can get a win that does anything for you, really, is to beat Duke, Louisville, or Florida State. Uh, Virginia beat Florida State at home, and that's why I've got them, you know, on the bottom of my bracket right now. But, you know, just beating 
each other unless you do so much damage against those other teams that you really separate yourself. Uh, that's not happening either. You know, it's really hard. So, you know, you look at a team like NC State, it's like, well, if you want a Syracuse, that's good because it probably puts you ahead of Syracuse, but it doesn't put you in the field. They won in Virginia. You know, they beat Wisconsin at home, but, you know, there's nothing really exciting there. But they have still home and home with Duke and I think home with Louisville. So there's chances, but, you know, the chances are really slim uh, for those teams to try and get the kind of wins that are going to get the committee's attention. You have done a great job with our statewide audience here in North Carolina over the last decade or so of reminding us all of the do's and don'ts and how it does work and false assumptions about how it works, et cetera. When it comes to fans who look at the conference standings, not just ACC, but any conference standings, and uses that as sort of a pecking order, uh, go ahead and put it in your own words. Some folks will not believe that the NCAA committee does not care about your conference record per se, beyond obviously, you know, that it is a big chunk of your resume. They just don't care what place you are in the ACC or any other league, right? That, that's correct. Yeah, conference standings are for entertainment purposes only. There is no mention of conference performance in any way on an NCAA team sheet. They don't have your record. They don't have your place in the standings. They don't have your conference strength of schedule. They have your non-conference strength right. of schedule, your overall schedule. But that And that's really the only place where even non-conference and conference are distinguished is strength of schedule. They, you're judged on your entire season, period. And how you perform in your conference is part of your season, but it's not all of it. And, it's, and they don't put any more weight on it at all. For many years, we talked about the RPI as one of our tools. Now we talk about, for example, NC State got a quad one win at Syracuse last night. So the pack is actually three wins and two losses in quad one games. Remind us, uh, is it just the replacement tool for the committee members? And, um, you know, how would you describe the importance of state fans love the fact that, you know, Duke is 4-1 and one in quad one games, NC State is 3-2 and two in quad one games, even Louisville and Florida State are only 3-3 three and three in quad one games, and, you know, that just makes a Wolfpack fan more optimistic. Yeah, okay, but listen to the numbers there. That 3-2 and two means five games out of, what, 20-some? Yes. Teams against that group of teams. So the, the quadrant system came along actually while the RPI was in the last year of the RPI, and then they replaced the RPI with the net. Uh, the RPI before this and the net now are basically used to group the teams, the games, into quadrants. And so for quadrant one, a quadrant one game is a home game against a team in the top 30 of the net, uh, a team in the top 50, uh, a neutral game against a team in the top 50, or a road game against a team in the top 75, win or lose. But those are the games that go into quadrant one, and then there are similar distinctions for two and three, and then everything else is in quadrant four. And about a, a third of potential teams, games against potential teams are in the bottom quadrant, so they're not necessarily evenly divided. But um, anyway, uh, before that, you know, when they had the RPI, we just talked about like top 50, top 100. <clears throat> well, okay, so they didn't call those quadrants because they weren't so, you know, they didn't have such a, a long definition. You just said top 50, top 100, but that's basically the old version of quadrants. So, but now they're calling them quadrants because they have the home road distinction to them. 
Jerry Palm is with us. Find his bracket at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter as well. Great time of year to do it if you haven't already. At JP Palm CBS. At JP Palm CBS. I'm sorry if I missed a more recent version, but the last bracket you had up, it might have been two days ago, uh, had okay. NC State not really even all that close to the bubble. How do you right. how do you describe well, just the, the bubble? Yeah, the I guess I guess I didn't see him in your first four out or whatever. The bubble is bigger than that. Yeah, I only list the first four out, but the bubble is bigger than just what you see on the. There are teams on the bubble that are not necessarily listed on the bracket or first four out. Of course. So you had Virginia barely in, and they get that nice home win over Notre Dame. State got the quad one win at Syracuse. Uh, I don't know if you've gone through the machinations yet, but can you give us a no. sense of, you know, what, uh, in a general sense then, you know, what does that Wolfpack win at Syracuse do in terms of how far down that line or close to that line they are right now? Well, it's a, it's a win in a week where most of those teams are losing. Um, I don't think I will be surprised if I end up putting North Carolina State in the bracket on Friday. I haven't really looked at it at any level of detail, but the NC State resume still has more negatives than positives to it. Uh, the positive, of course, the win at Virginia, the win at Syracuse, the home win over Wisconsin, teams that they could be competing with for a spot in the bracket. So those are nice, but the, the losses are numerous. And most of those are the teams that are not going to be NCAA tournament teams. Uh, in fact, really only two of those losses of the, what is it, eight, are, are the teams that are definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament. So that's a lot of losses uh, that are really just not very good. And it takes more than just winning at Virginia and winning at Syracuse to overcome that. San Diego State is 25-0, and 0, and Gonzaga is 25-1. and 1. And last I saw, you have both of them as number one seeds with Kansas and Baylor. Uh, what is your reminder when it comes to teams with amazing records that might not be as high in the old RPI, clearly don't play quite the same strength of schedule given their conferences, uh, and yet, man, I mean, 25-0 and 25-1, and it's, 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 at some point it's tricky to compare Gonzaga's 25-1 and versus, say, Duke's 21-3. and How does that work? Yeah, so the, for the Gonzaga's and San Diego State's and Dayton's of the world, the Dayton is pretty high in the yeah. market as well. You make your case for the most part outside your league. In what you do, you're going to play your best opponents in non-conference, and that's where you get the, your higher quality wins. So for Gonzaga, they they beat Oregon, they won at Arizona, uh, they beat Washington and, and North Carolina when each of those teams were better than they uh, appear to be now. Um, and their only loss was to a Michigan team that was, I believe, in the top five when they played them. Uh, and a Michigan team that tanked when Isaiah Livers or Livers went out, uh, he's now back. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, still, a likely tournament team, uh, Michigan. San Diego State beat Creighton and Iowa on neutral floor. Those are top 25 teams. Uh, those are good wins. They've beaten uh, Utah State twice in their league. So you know they've got some nice wins as well, and no losses at all to anybody. So you know those are. But you but you'll notice that their best wins are all non-conference. And for teams like Duke, their best wins are always going to be, most of the time, yeah. are going to be in the league, although Duke also plays some good non-conference teams as well. 
Back to the ACC and that bigger picture. Top three are fighting for high seeds, of course. You have UVA just on the right side of the bubble, Wolfpack moving closer to the bubble. How many other teams even matter? Like the, how many, you know, Syracuse worth monitoring? Is Pitt worth monitoring? Is Notre Dame, who's a pretty good team but keeps losing, you know, almost every big game it plays, are, are they right. – still somewhere in the next I mean, if you had if you had a first 12 out we'd follow it yeah Notre Dame's problem is not just an inability to win big games uh they have a really bad non-conference schedule which they do pretty much every year for teams that are near the cut line uh the committee has been consistent over the years to leave teams out that play poor non-conference schedules so Notre Dame has a lot to overcome uh and I, I think it's kind of unrealistic to think that they'll be able to do it Syracuse still has something of a shot. They have a very weird resume. They split road and road with Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Notre Dame. So their inability to defend their home floor, that was their sixth home loss uh, last night to NC State already this season. It's probably going to be what ends up getting them left out. Uh, but there's four and you know, a half weeks to go, so there's still time. Uh, Pitt really kind of on the fringes of the bubble at this point. Last thing for you, Jerry Palm again. Find his bracket at CBSSports.com on Twitter at JP Palm CBS. I believe you've told us in the past that whereas the committee has the right to say that, you know, an injured player who missed a lot of games is now back and you can evaluate how the team plays with that person versus the record without that person. I believe you summarized it by saying it very rarely ends up mattering. And I know Carolina is so bad this year that it's going to end up not mattering with Cole Anthony. But can you remind us in that general sense, I'm trying to think of other examples around the country, of just how that works because obviously a a special player can make a big difference. Right. So typically – what the committee has said is that, you know, they will evaluate a team based a little bit, putting a little bit more weight on how they performed with the roster they're taking into the tournament, yeah. good, bad, or indifferent, versus how they performed otherwise. But when they say a little more weight, they mean very little. And in particular, you better, all, first of all, all the games count. All the games right. lost without your star player count. They're not going to pretend they, you would have won. They're not going to ignore them. So, Basically, your resume is your resume. And where you might see an impact is on seeding, and it probably wouldn't be more than one line, but more likely than not, you won't even know. Good stuff, Jerry. You know we'll be knocking on your door again down the stretch. Always appreciate your time on the David Glenn Show. Sure, anytime. Thanks. You got it. NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch live in about 30 minutes. Eric Montross, more college basketball. The Tar Heels licking more wounds after they went to Winston-Salem and lost to another bottom dweller in the ACC. Wake Forest gets the win. Those fans have something to cheer about for a change. Carolina falls to 10-14, and 3-10 and 10 in conference play. They are at serious risk at just the second losing season for Carolina basketball since 1962. It happened in 2002, the middle year of the three-year Matt Doherty experiment, and it may be happening to a Hall of Fame coach in Roy Williams, 10-14, and 14, with some tough opponents ahead even before they get to Greensboro for the ACC tournament. You can jump in with your answer to our question of the day. What is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now? Those are much lower bars for Wake and Carolina and some other fans than they are for Duke at the top end of that spectrum or NC State more in the middle. 1-800-849-2761. The Wolfpack again 
got a quad one win at Syracuse last night. A fantastic resume builder for Kevin Keats and friends. Two great guests later. More of your calls on the other side. Who knows when an Aerosmith or Cinderella song will drop in to explain one of the sports headlines of the day. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next with your question or comment on the David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours. Okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Aerosmith for you, although that is not what it takes, the greatest breakup song of all time. I would have known that right out of the gate. It's been a while since I listened to that one for those reasons, but it's still a great song nevertheless, even for an old happily married guy like me. Brad wants in from Columbia, South Carolina. Others from the mountains and the beach and everywhere you'd want to live in between the great state of North Carolina. College Hoops is on our mind. One more guest on the way with that in mind, Eric Montross from the Tar Heel Sports Network. Just as the Wolfpack is rightly celebrating a big win at Syracuse, North Carolina fans are rightly disappointed by laying another egg at this, in this case, at Wake Forest. Wake fans get something to cheer about for a change. Carolina falls to dead last in the 15-team ACC. Our question of the day is designed for you as fans of different college hoops programs to place the bar wherever you think it should be placed. What is the highest realistic goal you have for your favorite college basketball team right now. I actually think the Tar Heel fans should say Roy Williams needs to get this group to a point where it look, looks like they like each other again. And the body language is not disastrous. And the teamwork is better. All the, almost all of the other goals are out the window for the Tar Heels. I think everybody realizes that. Ten years ago, when Roy Williams missed the only NCAA tournament he's missed in the last 30 years combining most of his Kansas career with all of his Carolina career as a head coach, they at least made the NIT. They not only made it, they made a run all the way to the NIT title game. They weren't pointing fingers and, and drooping their shoulders and looking at each other with funny eyes. Cole Anthony was a ball hog last night. Now, there's sometimes at the end of the shot clock, he's the only one with that skill set to create a shot. I get that. But when you have seven turnovers to only four assists, when you shoot five for 19 – you are pushing the boundaries sometimes of what your own teammates will accept. Roy Williams is a Hall of Famer in part because he manages young men well. He's also an X and O genius, of course. He knows how to win games and win championships. He's really good with people. And I think he has a people problem on his hands along with a talent problem on his hands. He famously described this UNC team as the least gifted of his 17 as a head coach in Chapel Hill. All the numbers, and of course, we've had coaches on this show, Jeff Capel of Pitt among them most recently say, I'll tell you this, there's a lot of debates on what Roy should say, shouldn't say. He ain't lying. It is his least gifted team. That's through the eyes of Jeff Capel himself. He has both now the least gifted team and some people problems on top of it. It's one thing to lose. It's one thing to have far less talent than you usually have. 
by recruiting rankings, by future NBA players, and every other reasonable definition. It's another thing to have chemistry problems and bad body language on top of it. We'll talk more about that with Eric Montross in 35 minutes. Kyle Busch, NASCAR superstar, in about 20 minutes. More of your calls are next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.